All right, well, we're going to go to Genesis 7 now. Look at that. Uh, before we do, let's go to, to the Lord in prayer. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. And we thank you for this opportunity that we have today to gather together and to look at your word and, Father, to worship you. I thank you so much for just the many blessings that you've given to us. And I thank you for the people of this church that work so tirelessly to give of their time, of their resources, of their, uh, of their energy, Lord, to make all that happens at White Park happen. And even those who are here today that are serving behind the scenes and people like Matt who make sure microphones are working and uh, cameras are running, we just, we're so grateful for everything that, that happens here at White Park. And, and we are most thankful for what you're doing in this church. Father, help us as uh, the people of God to kind of just allow for anything that might be distracting us now from keeping us from worshiping you. Father, I, I pray that you would set those things aside and allow us the grace that we need to focus on what you have to say to us. I recognize, Lord, that I have a part in that, and so if you would, Lord, forgive me of my sin and give me the grace that is needed to preach your word in a way that bring honor and glory to your name, in a way that brings sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal in their relationship with you. Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord, I pray that today would be the day of their salvation, the day where they admit that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. Lord, we are so grateful for what you've done for us. Help us as the people of God to, to be the people that you want us to be, to do the things you want us to do. And Lord, now as we come to your word, give us the grace, Lord, to be obedient faithful, hearers and doers of the word. And Jesus, let me pray, and all God's people said, amen. Have you ever seen a, a before and after photo? You know, maybe you have a, someone who has got a haircut or shaved or, you know, I don't know, uh, I, before, after. We've all seen these, right? Here a few weeks ago, there was a, a Hurricane Ian that hit Florida. Uh, for those of you thinking of moving to Florida, you know, you might think, I mean, you might think twice. There's, there's no natural disasters that happen in Missouri, so you don't have to worry about that. But Florida, I mean, look at the before and after photos. I mean, that might just keep you from wanting to move down there, you know. Uh, but for a Category 4 hurricane, I mean, some of these photos, you can just see the devastation that, that happened along the coast of Florida. Uh, I, I've been on a lot of disaster relief mission trips and service projects, and let me tell you, uh, pictures only show so much. Uh, rarely are they enough to really give you a, a true picture of the, the devastation and the damage that happens in some of these disasters. My daughter and I are, are patients of, of Choice Orthodontics here in town. Dr. Windhorse is taking very, very good care of us. I've noticed on her social media page that she often posts before and after pictures. 
I'm not sure if that's good for business to show the world my teeth before and after or not, but like, if that's your you know, career plan, I might think twice about that. But I was looking back on my own social media page here, you know, a few years back, I, I noticed I didn't have as much gray hair as I do now, you know. And if I look real far back, I, I noticed I, I had more hair before I do now, you know. And so it's just sometimes those before and after, they're not always the best before and after, you know. Yesterday, Dr. Jason Allen celebrated his 10-year anniversary of being the president of Missouri Baptist Theological Seminary. Uh, he recently published a book called Turnaround. It's the history of his presidency at the seminary and how during his tenure, there has been a, a drastic turnaround at that seminary. I had a professor during my doctorate at Missouri West, Midwestern Baptist. He sat on the board that hired Dr. Allen. And he said, when Dr. Allen came and he interviewed for the presidency, he brought to the table a, a, a manuscript, a book, basically, of his plan, his vision for the seminary. He goes, it was overwhelming. It was amazing to see just what his, his forethought and the vision that God had given to him for the seminary. If you could see a before and after of the seminary, you'd be shocked, not just at the pictures of the facilities, but of the faculty, the staff, the amount of students, the environment. You would be able to see, you wouldn't be able to see it in a, in a single picture. Just to give you a glimpse, Missouri, Missouri Western, Midwestern Seminary is one of the large, today is one of the largest seminaries in the world. It's the fastest growing seminary in the world. But his first week on campus, he, he said, he goes, the, the, the chancellor of the, of the seminary came to him and said, we, we don't know if we're going to be able to make payroll this week. I mean, that's what he walked into. And today, it's the, one of the largest seminaries. When the, I mean, just before and after, if you could see, it's amazing. And today's passage of Scripture, I wish I could show you just a, a few before and after pictures. Today, we see... The final word of God spoken prior to the flood. And we see the closest thing life in the Garden of Eden since the Garden of Eden. We see the closest thing also to the end of the world. It's really just a, a, a unique picture, I think, that we could see. If we could see before and after. I mean, I think it would be just an amazing collage of pictures. You ever think about that before and after? What the world looked like before the flood and after the flood? Verse 1, chapter 7. The Lord said to Noah, Go into the ark, you and all of your household, for I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. Take with you seven pairs of, of all clean animals, the male and his mate, a pair of, of the animals that are not clean. The male and his mate, I'm sorry, the not clean. The male and his mate, and even seven pairs of the birds of the heavens also, male and female, to keep their offspring alive on the face of the earth. For in seven days I will send rain on the earth, forty days and forty nights, and even everything that I have made I will blot out from the face of the ground. Last week, God commanded Noah to build an ark. 
He was going to blot out all of humanity. But because of Noah's faithfulness to God, God had mercy on mankind and preserved humanity through Noah and his family. And God told Noah to build an ark. And he told him how to build it. He told him, these are the dimensions that I want you to build it. And Noah was faithful. In verses 1 to 4, these are God's final words spoken prior to the flood. This is, these are the, the final words that we see that God speaks prior to the flood. Sometimes when we read the story of the ark, Noah's ark, I, I think we kind of just gloss over it. I mean, maybe it's because it's just like a, such a famous story. We tell a lot with our kids or with our children. It's like a, a nursery, almost like a nursery rhyme that we tell our kids. I mean, it's kind of a scary story as well, though. I mean, it's, it's serious. But sometimes I think we become numb to how serious it is in its nature. I think because we do tell it with our children, we, we forget about its importance and how it relates to us today and how this story changed all of humanity. God told Noah to go into the ark and that he has been faithful. Actually, it says that he is righteous in this generation. This is not the first time that God says this about Noah, that God says to Noah, you are righteous in this generation. Maybe it's something we should think about. Maybe it's important for us to write that down. God saves the righteous man from destruction. Seems kind of important, doesn't it? That God would take the man that is righteous and that he would save him from destruction. He gives to Noah some final instructions about the animal, seven pairs of clean, seven pairs of birds, according to their kind, and one pair of unclean animals. And the reason for this is the reproduction of the earth. God's plan was to do a hard reset on creation. God told Noah that in seven days he would send the rain. The theory behind the timing of this was the death of Methuselah. Methuselah was Noah's grandpa. He lived to be 969 years old, the oldest man ever recorded throughout Scripture, 969 years old. That's amazing, is it not? I mean, just think about that for a moment. Whew. When he died, when Methuselah died, all the righteous men had died except Noah and his family. I mean, Noah was left, his boys, their wives. I mean, I just think about that for a moment. It's kind of sad, is it not? But the nature of humanity was so depraved, so dark, so devious, that it was down to one family. Noah did all that the Lord commanded him. Verse 6, Noah was 600 years old when the flood waters came upon the earth. And Noah and his son, his wife, and his son's wives were, went into the ark to escape the waters of the flood. And of the clean animals and of the animals that are not clean and of the birds and everything that creeps on the ground, two and two, male and female, went into the ark with Noah. And God had commanded Noah... 
And after seven days, the water of the flood came up upon the earth. In the 600th year of Noah's life, the second month of the 17th day of the month, on that day, all the fountains of the great deep burst forth and the windows of the heavens were opened. And the rain fell upon the, 40, upon the earth 40 days and 40 nights. And on the very same day, Noah and his son, Shem, Ham, and Jephath, and Noah's wife and three wives of his sons entered the ark. And they, they and every breeze according to their kind and all the livestock according to their kinds and every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth according to its kind and every bird according to its kind, every winged creature. They went into the ark with Noah, two and two of all flesh in which there was the breath of life. And those entered, male and female of all flesh, went in as God had commanded them. And the Lord shut them in. You ever go on a, a, a big trip as a family, maybe a vacation, uh, maybe it's a, a mission trip, I don't know. I, I, I don't know about your family, but for us, for the Burns family, sometimes the hardest thing to do is to pick a hotel. Like, where, where are we going to stay? You know, we stress out about the hotel room. Where is it at? And location to the things that we're doing. Where, what does it have as far as amenities and what's the room like? And, you know, it's kind of crazy because you think about, you know, I'm not sure about you, but we don't, I mean, we don't spend a whole lot of time as a family in the hotel room, and yet that's the thing that we stress about the most. You know, I mean, but, you know, as much as you can stress about a trip, as much as you can think about, like, what are we going to wear? What are we going to do? And how much money do we have to spend? And where are we going to, I mean, is our car going to be okay to drive? I mean, just think about all the things you worry about going on. At some point, you got to get in the car and go, right? I mean, at some point, you just got to, it's like preaching or something. You can prepare for it all you want, but at some point, you got to stand up here and preach, right? I mean, sometimes like in a presentation or a job, like sometimes you just got to go do it. I mean, you can prepare all you want to, and you can stress about it, but at some point and some time, you got to get off your butt and go. I mean, I, that's, I think about the, I mean, Noah built this ark, and him and his boys, I mean, they planned this thing. I mean, they spent 100 years building this boat. You know, I mean, just think about that, boys, working with your dad for 100 years and your brothers. I mean, and then you're going to be stuck on this boat for... 190 days. I mean, I don't know about you, but I, I'd be grateful it's a big boat. You know what I mean? Like there's, maybe they need to build just a little bit bigger. You know, I mean, I don't, I don't know. These verses, 15 and 16, they review and reiterate what God had already said that he would do. Friends, God is faithful. There isn't a time in Scripture where God doesn't do what he said he's going to do. This is also the time where Noah and his family, they, they get into the ark. I can't imagine getting on that ark, you know, knowing what lays ahead. I mean, can you imagine watching the animals board that ship? Can you imagine getting the animals into the stalls, loading up necessary food and water for yourself, but also the feed for the animals. I mean, I don't know about you, but I'd be a little bit worried about the whole situation, you know? And watching those, I mean, I don't know. It had to be a humbling thing to them. 
They knew the task. They knew the day would come. But I wonder how many times those boys questioned their father. I mean, I wonder how many times their wives are like, are you still building that boat? Are you guys ever going to be done? What are we doing this for again? I mean, I bet all those questions came to a rest, though, the day those animals started coming. I mean, they start knocking on their doors, and you're like, all right, it's here. I mean, I, I, the amount of emotions that family had to be feeling, the stress, the anxiety, that all of humanity rested on their shoulders. The future of all the world, of all animals. It was their responsibility. I mean, can you imagine just the stress of knowing that if you mess up, you make a mistake? It mattered. There were consequences. I mean, as orderly as creation had to be up to that point, chaos would soon return, would it not? I mean, the world was, to a certain degree, orderly. There was order, even though there was sin and and unrighteousness and chaos and humanity creation seemed I mean it had to be somewhat orderly right I mean just think about and yet it was soon to return to chaos in Genesis 1 God took the chaos of the water and he turned it into creation and today's passage of scripture God takes the calmness of creation and turns it into a watery chaos I mean, it was soon to be chaos. The flood continued 40 days on the earth. The waters increased and bore upon the ark, and it rose high above the earth, verse 18. The waters prevailed and increased greatly on the earth, and the ark floated on the face of the waters, and the waters prevailed so mightily on the earth that all the high mountains under the whole heaven were covered. The waters prevailed above the mountains covering them 15 cubits deep and all the flesh died that moved on the earth birds livestock beasts all swarming creatures that swarm on the earth and all of mankind everything on the dry land and whose nostrils was breathed of life died he blotted out every living thing that was on the face of the ground man and animals and creeping things and birds of the heavens, they were blotted out from the earth. Only Noah was left, and those with him in the ark. And the waters prevailed on the earth 150 days. I have a friend of mine who put a, a storm shelter on the property after an F5 tornado destroyed a town 20 miles from his home. He said the day... That storm hit the day that tornado came through, and his pasture, they had hail the size of softballs. And so they put in a, a storm shelter. 
in case another one came by. Where do you turn during times of trouble? Where do you find shelter? Noah and his family turned to an ark. Their ark was their refuge, their shelter. When the world around them was chaos, they found shelter in their God and the the words that God told them and what God had commanded them to do. That was their shelter. That was the place where they found peace. That was where they turned. God showed mercy to Noah and his families. And we, we'll talk about this next week, but God entrusted them with what was to come. Verse 22 reads that everything that had breath in their nostrils died. Again, just the opposite of, of God breathing into man, the man's nostrils, the breath of life. He here takes away the breath of man. God is judging humanity for their sins. God raised the waters over the top of every mountain, friends, of every mountain, for 150 days. So even the birds of the air had nowhere to rest. It was unescapable, friends. I mean, just, I don't know how many people were on the earth during this time, but just think of the, I mean, the, the tragedy that this is. I can't help but to draw a parallel between the ark and Jesus Christ. God has provided us salvation from his judgment of sin through Jesus. Jesus is our ark. He is our source of salvation. During chaos, during sin, it's our escape from God's judgment. Jesus Christ is our ark. He is our refuge. He is our hope. When God's judgment comes to this earth, and make no mistake about it, friends, just as God said that he would blot out all of humanity, God will judge humanity for their sin. And the only way to escape God's judgment, God's wrath, is through Jesus Christ. That's our hope. That's our refuge. And if you think for some reason it's not going to come, that when you die, when you meet your maker, that God is not going to judge us, then you fail to miss the truth of Scripture, friends. Jesus Christ, friends, is our refuge. He's our hope. He's our only answer. It's only through Jesus Christ that we can find an escape. We can find mercy and grace. I'm not sure about you, but I, I, I deserve God's judgment. Okay, I'm a sinner. I, I, I recognize that, I make, that I'm disobedient. That if, if I was at, in the time of Noah, I don't know if I'm on the boat or not. You know? I mean, it, it's only through Jesus Christ that I, I can get on that boat. I mean, if it wasn't for Jesus, I, I, I don't know, friends. <laughs> Our salvation isn't based on our good works. It's based on the good work of Jesus Christ. At the same time, men and women, we are being called to do the work of the gospel of Jesus Christ. God saves us. He gives us grace and mercy. He provides for us an escape. And yet, at the same time, he calls us to righteousness. 
He calls us to faithfulness. He calls us to Christ's likeness. He calls us to service. Not just to reap the benefits, but to go and to do the work, to go and, and build the boat for other people to have a, a way to salvation. Like, like it's our responsibility, friends, to gather the, the people and say, this is, the, this is our hope. This is your hope. It's, it's our task. It's our responsibility. Like it's our job to build the boat. Without your work, without your service, without your faithfulness, judgment is coming, friends, for everybody. There is not one man, there's not one woman, there's not anybody on the face of this earth that will escape the judgment of God. The only hope they have is Jesus Christ. And the only hope they have is that we will be the the hands and the feet of Jesus and go into the ends of the earth and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ. There are people that are dying every single day and they've never heard of Jesus Christ. Friends, the church is failing to make disciples that make disciples. We are failing. We are failing. I mean, we can go to all the retreats that we want to, friends. We can do all the, the, the great service that we want to. But if we're not making disciples who make disciples, then what are we doing? What's, what are we doing? What's the point? I mean, if we, if we are the same today as we were yesterday, if our before and after, Romans 6, 4, we are therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, to the glory of the Father, we too may walk in newness of life. Second Corinthians five seventeen. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Before, behold, the new has come. You are a new creation, a new person. I, I hope and I pray that today you are different than you were yesterday. That your story, that your life, there's a clear before and after picture from the day that you made a profession of faith to who you are today. That you've turned, that you've repented of your sin, that you've walked away from that lifestyle of sin. And you said, you know what? I'm, I'm living a life that brings honor and glory to Jesus Christ. When I was a, a youth minister, I... Uh, my goal was to take 50 kids to camp every year. I only did it for three years, and every year we took over 50 kids to camp. My goal and uh, challenge that I set for myself, my pastor set for me as well. And first two years, I, I took them to this camp, and uh, they, they had a really great morning sessions, and everything was going really well. And the evening sessions was great, but between then we had lunch, and then they had four hours of free time. Four hours of free time. 
Let me tell you something, friends. That was a disaster. A disaster. And I, I recognize, I mean, like, every time my kids got in trouble, it was during that four hours of free time. I mean, I had hooligans for kids, friends. Hooligans. That four hours of free time was just train wreck. So when I decided to go to a new camp, I made sure that there was no free time. Every hour, every minute was accounted for. And let me tell you something. You know what happened? My kids stopped getting into trouble. I mean, just like that. Like switch. I had a group of pastors I met with this week here just in our welcome center. I confided in them just... You know, I don't do well with free time. You know, the idle hands are a devil's playground. You know, I just, I need to be busy. I need to be productive and doing stuff. And if not, I just, I get kind of lazy, to be honest with you. And I, I want to be doing something. And I, I try very hard to structure my work week, my day, so that really, honestly, every minute's accounted for. I, uh, ironically, this week on Friday, I was uh, listening to a podcast by, uh, it was actually Dr. Jason Allen, man that I mentioned earlier, the president of Midwestern, was the guest of this podcast. And he, he talked about um, why so many pastors are failing morally right now, and why we've seen such an influx of this. He said a couple of different things, but one of the things he said was, he goes, I think there are too many pastors that go on trips, whether it's speaking engagements and things of this nature. He goes, that take a, a three or four day trip when it should be a one or two day trip. He goes, they, he goes they, what good is it for them to be gone from their wives for an extra day or two? He goes, I, I, in my life, because I don't have, I don't have big swaths of time unaccounted for. He goes, if you ask my wife what I'm doing right now, she'd be able to tell you. He goes, honestly, he goes, honestly, if you ask my kids, they'd probably be able to tell you as well. He goes, every minute of my day, it's accounted for. You know. I don't. I don't know what to say about that, but I, I think about here's a man that uh, is as successful as you can get in ministry and recognizes that in his own humanity, Satan can be at work. And he has to protect himself and guard himself so that he doesn't become just another pastor who has failed morally. I mean, if that's true of a man like that, it's true of a man like this. And it's probably true of each and every one of us here today. That if we aren't protecting ourselves 
We aren't guarding ourselves. Friends, God has, has called us to faithfulness, to righteousness. Noah was faithful and righteous because he did what God told him to do. If you look back at last week, it really it says that he walked with God. You know, I, I, I can't help but to wonder in your own life if that's true. That if people were to, to look at your life and if a, a story was written about your life and about your faith, if that would be said of you, that you walked with God, that you were righteous and faithful in an unrighteous, corrupt society, if your neighbors were unjust, and, but you remained faithful and true. I, I don't know your story. I wish I could sit down and have a cup of coffee with you this week and, and learn a little bit more about you. I really do, and I would love to. To know your story. I would love to be able to help you become the person that God wants you to be. If that's going to be, if that's going to happen though, if you're going to be faithful and true, and if you're living a life right now that's not, this is an opportunity that you have today, right here, right now, to do business with God. And I, I I'm the last person that's going to judge you, friends. I'm the last person that's going to, to laugh at you. To think, man, that person's... This is an opportunity for you to do something right. To be faithful. To be true. To be honest. There isn't a, a, a place that's going to be easier for you to do that than right here. And there isn't a community that's going to support you more than this community right here. I don't know what God is doing in your life. I don't know what's going on in your life. But I, I know that this is a time, this is a place where you can change all of that. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you for the opportunity that we have together together and to worship you. Father, I pray that we do not... Let this moment pass us by, that we allow for this to be a time where we truly do worship you. We acknowledge your goodness and your grace and your mercy. That we acknowledge our need for Jesus Christ. Where we stop lying to ourselves and lying to others and we stop lying to you and we are honest and true and faithful. Father, I pray that you would give each of us today the grace that we need to be the people that you are calling us to be. Help us to be disciples that make disciples. Father, I pray that if there's someone here today that's feeling like God is calling them into ministry, I pray that, that you would just press upon their heart that calling so that they know without a shadow of a doubt that that's your voice I pray that there's someone here today that's, that's struggling with whether or not to go and share the gospel with a neighbor or with a family member or a friend, that you would just press upon their heart the need to go 
and to share. I pray that there's someone here today that just is struggling with sin. They're struggling with an addiction or a temptation or the anger or anxiety. I pray, Lord, that you would give them the grace, that you'd press upon their heart just how much you love them, how much you desire to take that burden off of their chest. I pray that there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior and Lord. I, I pray that today you would press upon their heart, their need, their need for Jesus Christ to become their Savior and Lord of their life. I, I pray that you would allow for this to be a time where you work and you move and that the people here would respond with instant obedience, Lord. Lord Jesus, we love you, and now, if you would, give us the grace needed to respond in a way that bring you honor and glory, and all God's people said, amen. amen. We're going to stand and sing a song of invitation, and I want to invite you to respond as the Lord is leading you. This altar is here for you, friends. It's an opportunity for you to come forward and to do business with the Lord. Don't let this opportunity pass you by. I'm going to be in the Welcome Center. I would love to be able to pray for you, to be able to, to hear your story, to be able to, to get to know you a little bit better. If there's anything I can do for you now or even later this week, please do not hesitate to, to be faithful to the Lord. Stand with us and sing.